Shalom, my friends. Jim Martin once again coming to you with timeless truth from God's Word. In this study, we hope to finish up our series. It's been a long series, but I pray that you've been encouraged and challenged by it as I have, and that you would be also challenged to continue your study in God's Word, uh, especially in the passages that I've given you over the past couple of months that deal with living in 21st century Babylon as God's representatives, as his ambassadors to a lost and fallen and hell-bent world. Tonight, this day, and during this study, we are going to look at the last three chapters of the book of Daniel. Now, I have to confess to you that I am approaching this with concern because this is an overwhelming section of the prophecy of Daniel for me to try to comprehend, much less communicate. And I think what we're going to have to do is simply lay it out here. Obviously, we're not going to be able to read all the passages, all the verses in these three chapters. We're not even going to be able to comment on all of them. I'm just going to give you an overview and encourage you, my friends, to take the study notes that I've given you links to, and that these are extensive notes. I want to encourage you to take those notes and study them yourselves. There's lots of, there's commentary there, not nearly as much as I have extracted and tried to digest myself. So let's plunge into this. Get your copy of Scripture and open it to Daniel chapter 10. And we will press on here with understanding what God was trying to show His servant Daniel about the days leading up to the end of time. Pretty ominous, wouldn't you say? Oh, Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are Daniel's God before whom he served faithfully all his life. From his youth till his death, he served you. And he preserved the things that you showed him, the principles that you taught him. And he preserved the legacy of his commitment for us, even here thousands of years later, to study, to be challenged by, to frankly to wonder about so many times what did you mean by that? What really happened there? But Lord, it's all okay because you know what you have for us now and in the future. So Father God, as we embark upon this study, I personally pray right now, Lord, for clarity of speech, of thought, that I communicate the principles of this extensive passage of your word in a very brief period of time here. And Lord, all this I ask with thanksgiving and trepidation in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. In Daniel chapter 10, it opens up saying a fearsome, a, a fearful and, and terrible vision that Daniel was given by the Lord. A terrifying vision of a man that appeared, uh, an awesome being that appeared before him 
and an even more awesome, troubling, mysterious message that this messenger conveyed. So it begins in Daniel 10.1 by saying, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar, and the message was true and one of great conflict, but he understood the message and had an understanding of the vision. Okay, so this was in approximately 536 or 537 B.C. Daniel was shown, he really didn't have the context, uh, the frame of reference, as far as time was concerned for what he was about to see. But it was going to take place over the next several hundred years. Clearly, Daniel would not live to see the fulfillment of everything he was being shown. At any rate, he actually saw a human-like form of a being. And the way he describes it in Daniel chapter 10, verse 4 through 6, he said, Behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen, whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of euphiles. The body was like beryl. His face had the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches, his arms and feet like the gleam of polished bronze. Sound of his words were like the sound of a tumult. Okay, the natural question, obvious question that we say is, who is this? We've seen verbiage like this ascribed to God himself in Ezekiel's vision uh, over in the revelation uh, to John of the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw Jesus himself described in much the same language and terminology as we see this person. Quite honestly, this is up to speculation and it's not incumbent upon us to be speculating about the identity of these people. Let's just suffice it to say this is a supernatural being And since he is communicating God's word, let's call this person an angel. Daniel has encountered the angel named Gabriel, man or hero of God, in previous chapters. So he knows Gabriel. Now, perhaps this was also Gabriel manifesting himself in a different form. We don't know. People try to say that this is obviously a pre-incarnate Christ. A theophany, if you will. I don't know. It, it doesn't matter. Let's just say that this is a divine messenger. Okay? And we can say that. And the messenger was sent to him. The reason I do not think it was it was Christ is because down in verse 13, the prince of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Now, Daniel had been in mourning and he had been fasting. Essentially, he'd been sick. He had been withdrawn himself and was fasting 21 days. So, this messenger had been occupied with the prince of Persia. This is a reference to a demonic authority over Persia. Now, we could get into demonology and and the and the satanic authority structures and his domains and all that but it's not going to really help us too much 
other than to say this individual, this being, whomever he was, had been hindered and tied up by the satanic power, the demonic power over Persia for three weeks. I I don't see Jesus being tied up by Satan for three seconds, for three nanoseconds. I don't see Jesus even being at all occupied for any length of time when he had a mission. I think I think this was an angel, okay? Uh, a powerful angel, but this angel needed help. He needed to call upon another archangel, Michael, to come and help him fight this demon. So this is obviously a very powerful demonic power, Prince of Persia. But now he says in verse 14, I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days. The frame of reference of this vision, of these visions that Daniel had been given, was the nation of Israel. And it is the nation of Israel. God is very concerned about his covenant people. And so he's giving his servant Daniel a prophecy concerning the nation of Israel, the believing, faithful Israel. That's the context here. And so, so much of what's going to be told Daniel, revealed to him, concerns the nation of Israel. Now, at the end of it, we get involved. The rest of the world gets involved. Because the end of it is talking about the last days. What we know as the tribulation period. Now, I don't believe personally that those who embrace Christ, who have surrendered themselves to Christ and obey Him and follow Him, love Him, I don't think we're going to be involved in the tribulation. But I could be wrong. There's evidence to say that, well, certainly there are believing people in the first half of the tribulation. Now, are they people that were believing and they're still here when the tribulation begins? Or are they people that are saved after the rapture? I don't know. We're not going to get into that tonight. When this angel began to to speak to Daniel, Daniel was just overcome. Okay, he was probably weak as well from hunger and from uh, deprivation. He was emotionally spent. And so he had reached the end of his physical endurance, essentially fainted, but the angel woke him up, encouraged him, strengthened him. Down in 18, he says, this one with human appearance touched me again and strengthened me. He said, O man of high esteem, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. And as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength. May my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Okay, I think that's something that we need to glean from this teaching for how are we supposed to behave? What are we supposed to believe? And how are we supposed to behave in Babylon 21st century? Here it is. He says, peace be with you. Okay, we're to be at peace. We're not to have a spirit that is in chaos and turmoil. That's, that's not God's. He says, take courage and be courageous. Take courage. There are some very, very brave individuals that I know. But sometimes we have to receive courage from outside our, ourselves. 
I believe Dan, Daniel was told, receive courage. To you and I in the, in the uh, age of grace, in the dispensation, if you will, of grace, we receive His grace to be courageous, to take courage. That's, that's not to say, all right, I'm never afraid. No. Sometimes we are in great fear, deep fear, but we act anyway. We act courageously. In spite of the fear, we press on and do what we're told to do. We press on and we, we take action because that's what God told us to, to do. And when He tells us to do it, He gives us the grace to do it. He says, he says Do you understand why I came to you? And Daniel says, No, I don't understand. He says, I came to you to reveal what all this means, but I've got to go back and fight against this prince of Persia. He wasn't done with this demon dude yet. He wasn't done with him. Praise God, at the end, at the very end of, of the uh, path here, they're all going to be cast into the lake of fire. All right, But in the meantime, they're wreaking havoc. They're doing it today. Don't believe it? Look at what's going on in our world. How else are you going to explain it? Just that men are very rotten scoundrels? Well, that may be true, but that can't cover all of the bases here. There is satanic activity out there, guys. So he says, do you understand? However, I will tell you what's inscribed in the writing of truth. He says, God's given you a book. He's, He's written down what you need to know. People, look at us. Do you think there's something that God, that we need to know that God hadn't told us in His Word? You think we we need extra biblical revelation? I hope you don't. I hope you're wiser than that. We don't need extra biblical revelation. We need to read, understand, apply, comprehend, by God's grace, the revelation He's already given us in His Word, the Holy Bible. Now, maybe it takes teachers and preachers. I hope too. I hope it does take take some of us preachers and teachers to uh, help explain the things that, that are uh, written in God's Word. Otherwise, I wouldn't have a job, right? That's, Daniel was given this revelation and it continues in, in chapter 11. Okay, uh, Let's go on to chapter 11. And he says, In the first year of Darius the Mede, I arose and to be an encouragement and a protection for him. Now, this is the angel. Perhaps it's Gabriel. Perhaps it's another angel unnamed. We don't know. We do know that God sent him to be an encouragement to Darius the Mede when he took over Babylon. Why would God do that? Well, remember, God assigns authority over us for four responsibilities. Okay, for provision, protection, direction, and discipline. And discipline is not punishment, it's training for righteous living. Okay, that's, that's his objective. You say, and that happened with Nebuchadnezzar? Yes, it did. Now, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't particularly cooperative with it all along, but God brought him to heal. How about Darius and Cyrus? Yes, they were God's instruments in protecting and providing for His people. During the Babylonian captivity, God's people ultimately thrived. 
They didn't just survive, they thrived. Why? Because God used that authority to protect them. Yes, to correct them as well. Yes, because they had sinned against God. We talked about that in, in Daniel chapter 9, in, in the part 9a. Okay, so the angel continues. He says, I was sent to encourage, to protect Darius during his first year of reign. And then he proceeds to talk about a series of kings. And it kind of boils down and separates it up into the kings of the north and the kings of the south. Now, this part, Daniel chapter 11, is long, and may I confess to me, rather tedious. Okay, but it talks about a series of conflicts, of wars going back and forth. The north will will conquer the south, and then the south will arm up and and tool up and, and man up and conquer the north. And it goes back and forth and back and forth. Now, I've given you in the notes detailed charts and records of all this so I just encourage you to go and and avail yourself of that make a study of it it's interesting uh, you say well it's not particularly relevant to me is it well in the in the context that it all formed a part of God's perfect ultimate universal eternal plan so yeah I guess it is relevant to us now, are we personally involved in it? No, we're not. But we can look at it, look back at it, and be encouraged that God is in control. Yes, He pitted these these various kingdoms against each other, and they were all fighting all around Israel and Palestine at the time, and yet. Yes, sometimes the the Jews, the the even the faithful ones, were horrendously murdered. I mean, we're talking about tens of thousands of people. And yes, the glorious temple was destroyed. And yes, even Zerubbabel's temple that was rebuilt, that was a shadow of Solomon's temple. Even it was defiled by Antiochus and other others. Horrible things happened, even to God's people. Now, how do we make sense of that? Only that if, if you die, if we are martyred, and people are being martyred every day, my friends, I'm crushed to even know and communicate that, but even this day, in December of 2021, God's faithful people are being abused, tortured, chased out of their homes, murdered, even today. And we say, how do we make sense of that? Only to say that in the end, God says, keep your eyes on the finish line. Yes, horrible things are going to happen. We live in a fallen world. We ourselves are sinful people. We live in them amongst a people that are sinful and in a corrupt society and world, but we are God's people. And yes, in a war, the good guys die sometimes. And 
I guess, I guess reading all this, one thing it says that we are in, we are at war. We read about historical wars, but my friends, we are at war today. I don't know, maybe we need to skip to the end here. We're getting closer to it anyway. What is the bottom line here? You know, we, we look over at chapter 12, and we say, what is God trying to say to us? Let me read from one of the commentaries that I've provided for you in the notes. Great suffering is in store for God's people throughout the years ahead. That's what he tells Daniel. Great suffering. He says, now Daniel, be comforted. You won't have to go through that. And Daniel did not have to go through that. He'd seen enough, but he wouldn't have to personally experience that. And yet, the great suffering is tempered by a great promise of hope for those who truly believe. And that's the message to us today, to you and me, my, my friends. And we need to look at, at other examples of this where God, God says, you know, you're not... Even Jesus said in, in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, in this world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. What does he say? Take courage. Take courage. I have overcome the world. In the meantime, we've got to live in it, right? But he has overcome it. And we can look at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. He says, he says count it all joy when you encounter all these persecutions and trials because it's building godly character. First Peter chapter 4, uh, verses 12 through 19 tell us the same thing, that yes, God's people are going to suffer in this world. And in the end, it's all for His glory. And hey, for, the, for, a, for a short period of time, we may have to suffer, but we, we must never give up. You and I most likely will never have to suffer, suffer what God's people are suffering now all over this world, what they have suffered in the past. Does that mean God is lying to us? If he's, is He cruel? No. It means that this is the way His plan is working out. And we are thankful, grateful, glad to be a part of that plan. And, at the, and then it says, faithfulness to God. Here's, here's the closing bottom line here, guys. Faithfulness to God is, has a rich reward. Not necessarily in this life, but most certainly in the life to come. I'd love to spend much more time with you, but I don't know that it's really necessary. There's a lot of detail here. And we could talk about the, the, the time and times and half a time, you know, the three and a half years. We could talk about all that. And the the abomination that leads to desolation. We could we could talk about that. And the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist. We could talk about all that. But how are we to live? How are we to believe? Well, we're to believe what God said. We're to pl place our trust in Him unfailingly. And then we are to behave accordingly. We, what He says we must do. If He gives us a vision for what we're supposed to do, if, if He has confirmed our identity in Him, we're to live as God's children because that's who we are. Oh, my friends, so much more. Please, give me some feedback. Let me know if this, may, if this, has been, if this series has been helpful to you. And please, 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 avail yourself of the notes. And if you can't get to them, 
let me know and I'll I'll make sure you get a copy there's a lot there that I think are going to be real useful to you okay so don't know what we're going to do next time but this finishes our series in believing and behaving in Babylon I pray that you've been encouraged and challenged through this and not scared you know I'm doing this because I love you and I serve the Most High God until the day that I die that's who I am pray with me father i thank you for the opportunity to study your word even when it's hard lord open up our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our spirits to receive your truth for we ask it all in jesus name amen now may the grace of our lord jesus christ and the love of god and may the fellowship of his holy spirit be with us all now and forevermore amen and amen god bless you my friends